You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. Okay, everybody. Let's come back. Okay? Because we're going to get into the Word, and we're going to receive the Word. We're going to receive the Word. We're going to receive life. We're going to receive the fullness of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is here. He is going to bring life. He is going to bring fullness. He is going to set free. He is going to bring joy. He's going to restore hope. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. He's going to do it. I promise you, He's going to do it. He's going to do it. I don't take confidence in a lot of things, but I take confidence in who I know my Father is. Okay? And so as we get into the Word, we're going to dig back into this parable of the sower. Last week, we, we started talking about this parable and tells this very familiar parable of the sower. And he talks about this. He says there was a guy who went to sow some seed and he, he threw out seed and it landed on four different types of path, path four different types of soil. One was a pathway, was the hard, hardened part, the, 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 the way that people walked on it had been trampled underfoot, that had been stomped down. The other was rocky soil. And that rocky soil was uh, mixed into the soil. There were rocks mixed into that soil. The next was thorny soil that had some, some, some gnarly little thorn bushes growing up. And then finally, the good soil. And so when Jesus gets done talking about that, the disciples are a little bit confused about what he's talking about. And Jesus explains this. And really all this message is, it's very simple. There's, it's not complicated. It's not super deep, but it's super important. There's such a significance to the, 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 the purpose of this, of this parable because it's all about how we protect our heart. It's all about how we protect our heart. And Jesus explains that the, 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 the parts of this parable are very simple. That the sower is the one who gives the message of the kingdom. That he's sowing out the message of the kingdom. And yes, that's Jesus, of course, but it's also how we hear Jesus. We hear Jesus in the Word, don't we? My friend Rodney Pacetti and I, we, we're, we're there at 5.30 in the morning. Isn't that true? We really are. See, and Rodney doesn't lie, so you know I'm not lying because I know you guys don't believe me <laughs> that I would get up at 5.30 in the morning and go work out. But Rodney's there and he's not a liar. Maybe I am, but he's not. He's my proof. And we both have our headphones in and we're both cranking it out. We're lifting all the weights there. We walk in and guys just move out of the way because the two strongest guys walked into Planet Fitness. But Rodney's listening to the Word and I'm listening to the Word. Sometimes we're listening to the Bible and sometimes we're listening to a podcast. Sometimes we're listening to worship, but we're getting the Word. And so that is the sower. That's the sower, right? And so you receive the message of Jesus through the Word. You receive it sometimes when you, when you hear a message, like today. Sometimes you receive it when you listen to a podcast, or if you're in the 50-plus group, when you listen to Robert Morris, or if you read a book, or even if you're in worship. You, some of you receive it as you worship. You're receiving the message of the kingdom. Something about the truth of the kingdom is coming into your heart. And then the seed... The seed is that message, and that message is important. The vehicle is a sower, but the seed is what counts. And that's the message that sets us free. Jesus got up in the synagogue, in the Gospels, and 
he he reads from the scroll of Isaiah and he says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me because he's anointed me and he lists the things that he came to do to, to, to heal those who are oppressed, to give recovery of the sight to the blind, to set those who are in captivity free. That is the seed. Now the good news is this. There's a dual importance to this parable. It's very significant because it's, 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 it's first and foremost important how the seed gets into the soil of your heart, but it's also highly significant that it bears fruit, and the purpose of the fruit is so that others can eat from it. See, we can't have a narrow mindset. We can't have blinders when it comes to the understanding of what we receive God. Or, or, or for that matter, if we just take a larger view, the purpose of church or the purpose of our journey of faith, we can't have a narrow mindset. We have to understand that what we receive, we are receiving to give to somebody else, that somebody else can eat the message of the kingdom. But then, of course, the soil is simple because, again, the soil refers to the condition of our soul our heart, how we receive it. And so last week we talked about this. We talked about the path. And the path are the areas of our life that are absolutely cut off, that they're hardened, that they're trampled. And I'm not just talking about sin. And this is super important because Jesus is not just sin and righteousness. And this is super important. I want you to see, and some of you have never heard this before, but He is also insanely interested in the condition of your soul. And so what happens, and I want to say this too, that all of us have experienced each one of these types of soil in our heart before. We've all had pathways, we've all had rocky, thorny, and we've all had good soil. And sometimes they're different parts of our heart at the same time. There's been parts of my heart that have been closed off because I've been hurt, and we talked about that last week. We talked about how, and I use the story of John the Baptist while he was imprisoned, about to die. He sends his disciples to Jesus and asks them this question and says, hey, go ask Jesus if you're the one or should we expect another? This is the guy who baptized Jesus in the Jordan, who witnessed the Holy Spirit come down on him and God audibly speak, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. But yet at this moment of crisis where he is about to lose his life, He questions this. Why? Because something in his soul was broken. Maybe it was an unfair um, expectation on God. But he got offended with Jesus and Jesus addresses it. And he looks and he he shows John's disciples what he's doing. He says, go back and tell John everything that you've seen and that you've heard. But then he addresses us and he says, listen, there's going to be things that are going to blow. There's going to be things that are going to break. And you came to see a reed that would be crushed, but it wasn't crushed. And then he looks at us and he says, blessed are those who are not offended because of me. And if I could offer anything back to you regarding the pathway, is that one of the ways that we develop hard areas of our heart is when we begin to get offended with God. But offense slips in in the most sneaky ways, doesn't it? It begins to hit our hearts and these places. And so the way that this gets fixed is by simply resigning ourselves to the grace of Jesus Christ because there's nothing we can do to till up the hard places of our heart. It is only supernaturally done by the Holy Spirit. And I promise you, in my life, I've seen God do this over and over again. And we talked about the rocky soil and our stick guy right here who's stressed out because... This is all the rocky soil means is this, 
is that there were the cares of life that came in that hit us all. We call it burning the candle at both ends. We get busy. Stress has hit us. The babies cry all night. Our job isn't going the way we want it. For some of us, you're not getting paid right now because there's a furlough in government. We've got some Coast Guard guys in our church right now that aren't getting paid. At the end of this service, I'm going to give you an opportunity to give them, to bless them. Why? Because they're part of our family. And we don't wait for the government. And the government isn't our source. Jesus Christ is our source. All right. I'm going to step off my soapbox. But this happens to all of us, doesn't it? Life catches up with us. But Jesus knows. But Jesus knows. One of the most beautiful stories that we read in the Gospels is when Jesus is sleeping in a boat while His disciples are freaking out because there's a storm. A mighty squall is happening, the Scripture tells us. They're about to drown. And they look at Jesus and they say, Master, don't you care that we die? Think about that for just a second. You're in a boat, and Jesus is sleeping, and water is coming in, and it's exceeded the point of bailout. You can't get enough water out of the boat. You can't see the shore. You can't see your future. You're going to die. But they forgot one thing, is that the person that told them to get in the boat said, we're going to go to the other side. And Jesus gets up and He rebukes the wind and the waves. And in essence, He tells us this. He goes, listen, I do care. And that word care in the original language is so important and it pertains absolutely to the, the, the rocky soil that can come into our life. As Jesus looks at us and He says, listen, I care about the small things that occupy your life. That's why in Matthew's Gospel, when Jesus talks about this, He says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough trouble of its own. Look at the sparrows. They don't clothe themselves. Look at the lilies of the field. They don't clothe themselves. But I take care of them, and I will take care of you. Isn't that amazing if you stop and you really think about it? That Jesus is insanely interested again in the cares of your life, the small things. He's interested when you're moving homes. He's interested when you're having to go to work. He's interested in your, the busyness of your day. He's interested when you're late and you forgot your kids' lunch at school. He's interested in all that. He wants to be peace. And what we do and how we figure this out is this. You guys are like, we heard this last week. You need to hear it again. Is that we have to stop and let the Holy Spirit sometimes take a small inventory of our life. Because one of the ways He cares for us is by saying, hey, maybe you don't need to do this. Maybe you need to cut this out. And refocusing us and getting us back in line with the truth of who He is. So today, we're going to talk about the thorny, the thorny ground. So, here's what the thorny soil is in Matthew 13, 22. And Jesus says this, the seed falling among thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. So what does a thorny soil represent in our life? 
It's when we replace the truth of God's word with the fear of life, which is anxiety. And we replace it and we try to fill that anxiety with the love of worldly things. Listen, there's a bit of a formula. So how does this happen? How does this happen? This thorny soil, it pops up. And as the word begins to take root into our life, and this is what the Bible says is that the seed comes in and it actually begins to build a root system and it begins to actually grow up. And this is where it may actually be a little different than the first two conditions uh, that Jesus describes. This, we're not sure if it grows up or not, but gets choked out in the root system. But this actually begins to grow up. That we actually begin to see some of the fruit in our life. And this is where our faith is challenged. This is why we need to grow in faith. This is why we need to understand and and line everything up in our life with the Word of God. It has to be the source. And you have to come to the Word of God by faith. Is because your faith will be challenged. It will be challenged by the same things that these rocky, the rocky soil represents. But the outcome is different because we begin to trust in something other than the care of God and we begin to worry about it. And as we begin to worry about it, this is what happens is that anxiety comes. Anybody know about anxiety? I certainly do. You guys know my story that uh, almost two years ago now that I, I, I started a journey with anxiety that started with a message about my personal health. And I had to understand and learn how to deal with that, and it was a process. But as the Word would be planted, it was almost like as it would come out, anxiety would come and begin to choke this out. And so what I had to learn and what I had to begin to understand is this, and ultimately what I had to surrender to is that at some place in my life, I had not given God the care of my future. At some place in my life, I had trusted the care of my future to my plans, to my personal strength, maybe to the fact that that I, I felt good in my physical body, whatever it is, and all these things apply, and this is how anxiety slips in. We spend a lot of time talking about how to get rid of anxiety, but maybe we need to have the conversation about how, how anxiety actually gets, begins in our life. And it begins that when we begin to see the fruit of God's Word in our life, we think that we can maintain the growth of it. And so what happens is that that care ultimately begins not to go to God, but it goes to ourself. This care begins to go to ourself and in our, in our own strength. And it will begin to choke us out. So God has a formula. God has a formula. You guys okay? All right. So here's the formula. Let me get the formula right. It is GS plus OF equals God's will. You guys got that? Everybody write that down. GS plus OF equals God's will. 
All right, now go home. <laughs> this is like high-quality um, calculus algebra. All right, that's, that's, some, that's some funky math right there. So what is this, all right? Let's talk about this. This is, this is God's plan. This is God's strength. All right? This is God's strength. This is where it starts. This is one. So nothing that we do, we do in our strength. And anytime we attempt to start out in our own strength, we can't accomplish God's will. So it always comes through God's strength. And again, this comes through the Word. This comes through the revelation of the Holy Spirit. This comes from the communion of the saints. And I'm not talking about the football team. But we do pray that they win today. It's like, what? No. Mm -mm. This is God's strength. But there's a second part of the equation that's equally important, and I want you to see this. And this is our faith. We have to put our trust. The word faith is the Greek word pistis, which means trust. That's all it means. Is that you trust in God's strength. You trust in God's strength. How do you beat anxiety? You trust in God's strength. You don't trust in your own understanding. You don't use your own strength. You trust in God's strength and you use your faith. Faith is not a muscle of the will. Faith is not a muscle of your ability. Faith is a response to God's word. Look, I don't want to, hopefully I'm not losing anybody here, okay? I really, that's why the Bible says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Okay? So faith is not our strength. Faith is the work of the Spirit. When my wife tells me something, I believe her. Because my wife does not lie. She is honest. She is true. She is faithful. She does what she says. I believe her. It is not rooted in my ability. It is not rooted in my strength. It is not rooted in my manipulation. It is not even rooted... Listen to this. It is not rooted in my love for her. It is rooted in her love for me in the fact that she is who she is. So when God gives us His Word, this is what He's saying. Andy, it is not about you. It is not about how much you love me. It is not about how, much, how good you are. It is about how much I love you and the truth that I am not a man that I should lie. And everything that I say that I will do, I will accomplish. All you have to do is trust me. To trust me. And when this happens, we accomplish God's will. We accomplish God's will. Does that make sense? Okay. So the equation gets messed up when we do this. And this is where anxiety slips in. When we replace God's strength with our strength. OS plus OF will never equal God's will. And OS is our strength. OS is our strength. Whenever, whenever we put in there 
our strength into the equation, it will never line up with our faith. Anything that you put your faith, faith in your own ability will never equate to what God desires to do in your life. The other thing that happens is this. When we replace our faith with willpower, what takes place is that we don't accomplish God's will either. This is an important thing to understand. Is that a lot of times what takes place is this, is that we hear the message, we hear the word, but we try to accomplish it in our own ability. Instead of using our faith. And you can't make the promises of God happen. You can't make them happen faster even though you want to. You can't make them happen better even though you think you have a great plan. You can't make them happen um, in your own mind's design. But what happens when we use our faith is this. Is that God perfects himself in his timing, in the majesty of his plan, and in, and in his ability to fulfill everything we need in the course of taking us to where he wants us to go. But whenever we interject our strength or our willpower into the equation, it always messes us up, and the end result is anxiety. This is how anxiety happens. So God gives us a way to get out of this. He gives us a way to get out of this. In 1 Peter 5, 6, it says this, Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand that He may lift you up in due time. The first thing that we have to do to combat anxiety is this. Let me erase all this really quick. God wants to make you free. He wants to make you free. You have not been created to carry the anxiety of your life. Some of you have tried, and every one of you that have tried has failed. You cannot carry the anxiety of your life. You cannot make the will of God happen in your own life. It is by faith. So the first thing that you have to do is you have to humble yourself. You have to humble yourself. This is why 1 Peter 5, 6 says this, Humble yourself, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time. Let me tell you something very important to breaking anxiety in your life. Because let, let's, be, let's be perfectly clear here. One part of the idea of the parable of the sower concerning the thorny soil is that anxiety comes in. The scripture is very clear. So how do we break this in our life? is that we begin to break this by saying, God, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I put my trust in something other than what you said and walked in it by faith. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. And this isn't God beating you up. This isn't God bending you over His knee. This is a course correction that you need that requires us saying, you are God 
and I am your creation and I trust you. And when we simply say that, God restores all these things. And so the second thing that we have to do is that we have to check for stress. Check for stress. In 1 Peter 5.7, it says, Cast all your anxiety on Him because He cares for you. He cares for you. Whenever we feel the anxiety of this life hitting us and beginning to build up, the thing that we have to do is that we have to begin to allow the Holy Spirit to check us for stress so that we can cast that onto Him. And again, this is so important for us to understand. Here is why we do this. is because He's able to carry this because He understands care. He understands care. There's, there's quite a few people in this church that are caregivers in one fashion or the other. Your teachers, your nurses, doctors, um, your moms, your, you know, your parents. You understand that idea of care. And you know what it is to have somebody who is weak and unable to take care of themselves come to you and to fully put their care into your life. As a matter of fact, you understand if you're a nurse or a doctor how difficult it is to care for somebody that wants to help you with their jo- your job. Any nurses? Agree with that? Give me an amen, right? If somebody comes in, a patient comes in who is desperately sick and needs your care, and they begin to tell you what they think is wrong with them and how to fix it, and you just look at them and go, okay. Or they resist your care, or they're a feisty patient, and they make it hard for you to administer care. But here is how you get healing, and here you get free from anxiety, is when, is when you go and say, God, I'm going to humble myself under you, which means that I'm completely unable to take care of it in my own ability, but here's what I'm going to do, is I'm going to completely let you care. I'm going to completely let you care, and this is what it means to cast the care on the Lord. And there have absolutely been times in my, my life, there are times that I'm walking through, and I know that there are times to come where I don't know how to get out of the situation that I'm in. And it impedes with where God is calling me to go. And so my only two options are to give up and to turn around and to run in fear or to push into the care of God. But in order to do that, so that anxiety does not overcome me and take over my life, I have to completely let God care. I have to completely let Him care. And this is the idea of what casting means. Now, those of you who are fishermen, I want you to think because you guys think and you struggle with this verse. Because you go, when I cast, I always reel it back in, baby. With the big fish on the end. Liars. (laughs) Fishermen liars. Lying fishermen. And this is, this is what God is telling you to do. Have you ever seen that movie, Grumpier Old Men? <laughs> I think there's a scene in there where he throws his rod into the, into the water. I want you just to imagine throwing your rod into the water. You're throwing your rod into the water. You're not reeling it back in. Whenever you cast, it's not the idea of casting and holding on. It's not that picture. That's not the picture the Scripture's telling us about. It's the picture of this. It's a picture of throwing and letting go and then walking away. It's the picture of leaving the burden at the doorstep of Jesus and trusting His care to be able to care for us. And the third thing we do is we come 
to the Word. If there's one consistent thing that follows this parable, it's the importance of the Word of God. And I, want to, I want to tell you this. I want you to please hear this because this is a key to, the key to breaking free from the thorny soil and the anxiety of our life. You humble yourself. You allow the Holy Spirit to check for stress and let Him completely care. But then you have to come to the Word. For every issue that you have, God has an answer. He has an answer. And so His answer is in the Word. And when you come to the Word and you line up your problem with the Word of God, with what the Word says, you have something to stand on that is greater than yourself. Most of the time, if I could say it like this, and just a lot of grace and a lot of gentleness, because we've all been there. We all fight this battle. Is that most of the time we go wrong in our anxieties because maybe we can humble ourselves. Maybe we can identify these stressful areas, but we never line the Word up with what God is saying concerning these areas of our life. One thing I had to do to beat back the anxiety in my life is that I had to line up Scripture about the peace and the care of God with that situation in my life so that when anxiety popped up, I put the word up against it. I put the word up against it. Even this morning, what I shared with you wasn't something that I just pulled out. It was something that was dear to my heart. That I understood the care of God to be so real. And so when it comes to beating back anxiety, we have to attach the word and you have to have the word lined up. Here's why. is because you, the voice of anxiety is so loud. The voice of anxiety is so loud. And let me tell you something else. It is really difficult with anxiety and how God beats it. Is that a lot of times with anxiety, it's rooted in something that we might see in our physical eyes. One of the problems that I had when I walked through anxiety, is everybody okay? All right, okay. I know it's heavy this morning, but I'm telling you, the word is going to bring us freedom, okay? And one of the arguments my wife had back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, she would say, Andy, what are you worried about? What are you worried about? What are you worried about? What do you think is going to happen? And I was so reluctant to say some of the things that were just tucked into my heart in the way of anxiety. And as I blurted them out, she would say, that's not going to happen. That's not going to happen. And my response in my flesh was always, how do you know? I have a real problem. I've got real proof from the doctor. I've got these areas that I know are going on. And what I had to go back to was this, is I had to line up the truth of the word. I had to line up the truth of the word with what God was saying about my future. My care was not dependent upon what I was told, my care was dependent upon what God said. And so I lined the word up with that. Here's the other thing about anxiety is this, is that it inflates issues. It inflates, inflates, inflates. And one of the things that I could not see past was this, is that everything that I heard, I blew out of proportion. You guys okay? You guys still with me? All right. And so I blew it out of proportion. It wasn't a matter of being able to process information and be able to receive information and, and make sense of it. 
Everything that I heard was either a matter, was a matter of life or death. But it was not until the Word of God, the peace of God, and the care of God came in that the, the Lord was able to beat back that lie. And why anxiety works in your life is because it looks like it's real. And it begins to inflate the seat of our emotions till it becomes all that we see. And what God does is this. is He brings us back under the truth of who He is. He brings us into the loving kindness of His care. And He lines up the truth of His words that we see correctly. All right? Okay. So let's talk about the second part of this really quick. There's another aspect to this that happens whenever we get into the thorny place is that we begin to trust in the idea of our strength and it slips us into what the Scripture says. This is, this is very interesting because it says this in Matthew 13, 22. The seed falling among the thorns refers to somebody who hears the Word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the Word making it unfruitful. So the second side of this is the deceitfulness of wealth or the deceitfulness of the world. And I want to give you some insight into this. The natural progression with our anxiety when it's overinflated is this, is to begin to trust into our own strength and to seat ourselves into a place of relief. All right. Hear me on this, please, okay? Why do people drink to an excess while they're drunk all the time? Why do people get themselves into bad spending habits, bad uh, comfort eating to an excess? There's nothing wrong with eating what you want. Uh, never judgment on that. This isn't a judgment against alcohol either. Hear me on this. This isn't a judgment on spending um, and, and having nice things. This is not what the Scripture is talking about here in the parable of the sower, the thorny ground. This is not what the Scripture is talking about. It is not drawing us into legalism or judgment whatsoever, but it's showing us a natural progression because when anxiety fills our heart, we look for an outlet. And if anxiety is guiding our heart, we're not looking to God. We are looking to something else. We are looking to the deceitfulness, the trickiness of the pattern of this world. And so we dig into the things that bring us comfort. We look for alternate sources that begin to fill our temporary sense of hope and peace. <laughs> I'm being completely way too vulnerable with you guys today, so you got to give me something back, okay? Is that when I walk through this, I'm telling you right now, I experience this. As your pastor, I'm telling you this that I begin to trick myself into thinking I can get a sense of joy in something else. But anytime I hit that mark, that a joy immediately went away. And I want to promise you something. That will choke out the fruitfulness of the Word in the work of God in your life. 
So Jesus deals with this directly. And he says, I'm not telling you to, to avoid these things. I'm not telling you to avoid nice things. I'm not telling you to avoid some, avoid some of these things that could trip you up. But I'm telling you a pattern. And this is how thorny soil works is that it takes your eyes off of me and it puts it, the trust in your own self and it begins to inflate the reality so that you're fear-based and not faith-based. And when you get into a fear-based place, you will begin to grab at other things as a sense of peace and a sense of hope, but they fall away as certainly as you get your hands around them, they evaporate. And you're in a cycle where you are continually living in hopelessness. But to break that cycle, you have to begin to let God heal the anxiety of your heart and break worldly patterns. So how does that happen? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says this. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to Him and He will make your paths straight. Very simple, very simple. But when we feel the trust of our life beginning to lean into our own understanding, our natural response has to be, our supernatural response has to be to submit to Him. What do we do as we begin to chase these things? We stop. There's nothing that we do in our journey with Jesus that doesn't involve a personal relationship with Him. Everything that I'm telling you and everything that I'm teaching you, listen, on a whiteboard, it's very, it's very one-dimensional, but that's not the case as it comes to your journey with Jesus. Friends, I want to tell you something today. Anytime you get into this place where the thorny soil of your life begins to choke out the fruitfulness of God and anxiety pops up and the lust of the things of this world begins to pop up, it always falls back into the place where God brings you into His heart and He heals your heart. And there's a time where He just gently lets you expose your heart before Him and He pulls the things out that are wrong. He pulls the things out that are unnecessary and He replaces them with the truth of who He is and His loving kindness. And this beautiful journey that we all walk through in the thorny ground of our life goes like this. When we feel these things that we're grasping at begin to fall away and hopelessness creeps in, we push into Him because we've leaned too much on our own understanding. But as the Scripture says, if we submit our ways to Him, He begins to make our path straight. Philippians 4, 12-13. This is what Paul says about this idea. Because God will put His sufficiency if we invite Him to he will put a sufficiency in our life. This is a beautiful passage that Paul says. He says, I know what it is to be in need and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or want. I can do all things through Him who gives me strength. A lot of times what we recite is just verse 13 because it's a great verse. I can do all things through Him who gives me strength, but it's not contextual. It's contextual in the place of his, the sufficiency of God being your source. And this is what Paul says in verse 12. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I know what it is. I've learned the secret of being content in every situation, whether being well-fed or hungry, whether having plenty or in want. 
And the conclusion is this, is that my sufficiency is in Him. Why? Because when my sufficiency is in Him, I can do all things through Him because His strength supplies me. And this is where God wants to bring us. This is how God weeds out the thorns in our life. Humbling ourselves before Him. Casting and giving our care and our stress to Him. Putting the Word first. But understanding that He is our sufficiency. He is our strength. Justin, come on up, bud. Finally, in just a few minutes, I'm going to wrap this up. The good soil. This is where the revelation of the word grows and becomes fruitful in our life. In Matthew 13, 23, this is how Jesus explains it. But the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it. This is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what is sown. So how do we do this? How do we do this? The first thing that we have to do is we have to walk by the Spirit. Is that we have to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit speak to us and lead us and guide us. No matter where you are today in your journey, and some of you, like I said earlier, you feel like the condition of your heart may have multiple types of soil in it. And that's okay. Because God is big, His love is huge, and He's able to heal. He's able to make right, He's he's able to till. But it starts by listening to the Holy Spirit, and it's not hard. If I were to ask you how many of you have ever heard the voice of the Lord, not many of you, some of you would raise your hand, some of you wouldn't. But let me show you how simple it is. is that when you come to the Word of God, you understand that God is first and foremost going to speak through His Word. Which means that He'll never contradict His Word. So ask the Holy Spirit to speak the Word back to you. Some of us struggle with this idea, this big picture idea, and God feels so far off, and we don't know how to personalize God, but... It's not complicated. He desires to draw near to you. He desires to speak to you. He desires to be close to you. He's never hidden Himself from you. He's not an abusive Father. He's not like any of our fathers on this earth. The very worst or the very best, He's much better. And in His goodness, this is what He promises and how He promises to lead us. And that's why He's given Himself and the Holy Spirit to us, to dwell in us, to live in us. And if you've received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit is living in you. And He will speak to you. God will speak to you. But the easiest way to hear His voice is this, is to ask Him to speak His Word back to you because the Word of God will never contradict His voice. God's not going to tell you to do something stupid that doesn't line up with this word. Sure, there are a lot of people, and you could YouTube a few of them, that are telling you a lot of crazy things that God's telling you to do. They're telling them to do. 
But I can promise you, if it doesn't line up in the Word, it's not what God is saying. And the way that I learned to hear the voice of the Holy Spirit is super simple. As I would come into the Word and I would read certain passages about God's love, about God's care, about God's discipline even. I would say, God, would you please make that alive and speak that to me? And I started off with this this very powerful thing that I want to invite all of you to do today. It's simply ask God, do you love me? Do you love me? And then you listen. You're not listening for something audible, but you're listening for something in your heart. And I promise you, you're going to hear God say that He loves you. Why? Because He's true and He won't contradict His Word. And He loves you. He loves you. And as we learn to hear the voice of the Lord, we begin to get familiar with it. We understand that peace is a big way that God leads us. Oh man, I'm telling you, I love this. And I love this. I love the Lord. He is so good. I want to tell you something that you might look at me and think I'm foolish, but there's not one time in my greatest pain, in my deepest hurt, that I've cried out to the Lord and I haven't heard Him. Oh. God, you're so good. You are so good. That's where I want to close today. God's going to make the fruitfulness of the gospel of the kingdom come alive. But it starts with hearing. It starts with hearing. I want to pray for you this morning. And I want us to have a moment just with the Holy Spirit right where you sit. And I want you to invite God to speak to you. I want you to invite Him to tell you that He loves you. God, you're so good. See, the reason why we let the down into the good soil of our life is so that it comes up as fruit. And Jesus said this, the one who receives the seed and bears 50, 100, Not only his fruitfulness in your life, but he wants to bear it so that others can eat from it. Just bow your heads right now. Simple. Simple.
close to you. This is what I want to tell you. It's simple. Just pray this prayer with me right where you are. Jesus, for loving me. To the place that you went to the cross in my place. That you paid the price for my sin. That I would know the love of God. Today, Jesus, I receive you. And I invite you to come in to my life to be my Lord. To be my Redeemer, the one who wipes away my sin. To be the one who brings me into the understanding that I am loved by God. Father, this morning, if, I, if I'm here and I feel far from you, Jesus, I'm coming, running back to you because I know that your arms are wide open for me. And today, Jesus, I receive your love. And I run back to you. And I thank you, Jesus, for your salvation. Just right where you are. I want to invite you right now just to say a prayer to Jesus and say, Jesus, would you please speak your word in my heart? Let me hear your voice. Tell me that you love me. Holy Spirit, speak and move. Speak and move. Your great love, your life, your hope, your future. Plant in us the good soil. Till up our hearts. Lord, no matter where our heart is today, if there's hardened areas or or rocky areas or thorny areas, till it up. Till it up, Holy Spirit. Till it up, Holy Spirit. Heal our hearts. Bring us into the understanding of Your love. Bring us to the understanding of Your truth. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Amen. 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 Just stand to your feet. If I can have a couple of ministry teams come up. I want us to do two things before we leave. And one is this, that if you need prayer for anything this morning, and when I say anything, that's way too general. Let me be specific. If you need prayer because anxiety is knocking at your door, we want to pray for you. You're not alone. You're loved. You are loved and you're not alone. You're not in a room with perfect people who've never walked through that journey before. You're not alone. You're loved. And we're here for you.
if you're walking through something that you're walking through in your physical body that you're afraid of, you're not alone. But we've seen the healing power of God, and we know He's a healer. If you're here today, and this takes a big step of faith, but you're brokenhearted, you're not alone. You're loved. You're not alone. But we know the one who can mend the broken hearts. And this house will always be a house of freedom for those who are bound or broken. The second thing that I want you to do is this. And this is a big ask. But I want you to hear me. Don't forget that in the back on the way out, there's going to be an usher out there, two ushers or a plate. And I want you to think about how you can bless some of our families that are undergoing this time where they're not being paid. But here is my big ask of you. Is that I want you to turn to the person in your right or your left. And I want you to turn to somebody you don't know. <laughs> and I want you to hug them. I don't know why you guys are laughing at me. Okay. I got, I got bad news for you guys. Hold on, stop, stop. Hey, oh, hey, everybody stop hugging. Are you joking? I didn't say to hug right now. I was going to say when you left. You got to double down on the hug, all right? Oh, my gosh. You guys are like, we're ready to hug. If you don't want to hug, just, just put up the, you know, like the, no, don't hug me. The Heisman, don't hug Heisman, whatever you want to do. But I, I'm telling you right now, every one of you needs to hear this from me, and you need to hear it from somebody else. You are loved, you are valued, you are important, you are loved, you are valued, and you are important. So I'm going to walk in the back after I pray. And nobody beat me to the back. And as long as you're comfortable, I'm going to hug every one of you. I'm not smiling or joking. I'm going to hug every one of you. Because it's not just coming from me, it's coming from the Lord. He loves every one of you. You are precious. You're precious to so, Father, I just declare your grace. Jesus, the sweet grace that you give. The grace that heals us. The grace that completes us. The grace that fulfills us and gives us a future. Over every person. In the name of Jesus, amen.